Hi, it's Dune here, your host and hype girl. And before we dive into today's episode, I want you to take a hot second to reflect. What's that passion, unique experience, or knowledge you have itching to be shared with the world? For me, it's always been about guiding you and cheerleading incredible women to start your businesses. So what's your thing? You see, everyone's got something they excel at, something they just can't stop talking about. And it turns out that one of the best ways to monetize those passions is through sharing that thing with the world as a digital course product. My life's work has been to chat with more than 600, 7, 8, and 9-figure e-commerce founders. And it's through those conversations that have led me to creating a foolproof playbook and my go-to guide for early-stage founders in the form of my first-ever digital program, e-commerce fundamentals. But it wouldn't have been possible without Thinkific. The beauty of this platform lies in its simplicity. Cute templates and a super easy to use editor. No coding headaches, no tech-induced stress, just pure focus on what matters most, the content. So if you've ever been curious about building a course to teach your passion, this is the way to do it. The genuine support from the Thinkific team turns it from this lonely, confusing headache into the most fulfilling and easy project. Go to the link in my show notes to get a free trial on me. This is Carly Stein for Female Startup Club. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. I'm your host, Dune Roisin, and joining me today is Carly Stein, the founder behind Beekeepers Naturals. Founded by Carly in 2017, Beekeepers Naturals is an innovative company on a mission to reinvent the medicine cabinet. Using unique remedies from the beehive, like royal jelly and propolis, the beekeeper-led team is committed to providing the cleanest, most powerful solutions to modern health issues, like brain fog, chronic stress, poor sleep, and scratchy throats. Unlike competitors, they apply scientific rigor to their product development and commit to third-party pesticide testing to ensure they're creating natural remedies that actually deliver. This has been one of my favorite episodes to date, Carly has such a special story and shares so much of the actual how of building her company, and you're going to get plenty of valuable pieces of gold throughout, so I suggest making sure you have a notepad and pen handy. And if you know someone who would benefit from hearing her story, please do share it with them and subscribe to the show. This is Carly for Female Startup Club. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Carly, thank you so much for joining the Female Startup Club podcast today. I've been so looking forward to this episode and learning about your business. Thank you so much for having me. I always love to get started by having you introduce yourself and what it is that your business does. Yeah, so I'm Carly Stein. I'm the founder and CEO of Beekeepers Naturals. And Beekeepers Naturals is a natural medicine company. So our mission is to reinvent the medicine cabinet using cleaner ingredients, sustainable ingredients, things that truly work and not making any compromises when it comes to what you're putting in your body. Because if you look at the medicine cabinet today, we have, you know, two very different ends of the spectrum. We have like nasty cherry flavored cough syrup full of refined sugars and chemicals that are not actually healing, but just mask the symptom. And on the other side, there's this wonderful world of natural wellness And there's a lot of great stuff there. And there's also a lot of stuff that's heavily marketed and doesn't really get the job done. And so we are really trying to marry the worlds of nature and science and reinvent the medicine cabinet. And one of the key features of our company is that we draw on a lot of different medicinal ingredients from the beehive going beyond honey. And we also are dedicated to saving the bees and supporting sustainability. Oh, love that. I was actually just having a look in my medicine cabinet in my bathroom and I was like, yeah, I don't have anything natural in here. It's like all <laughs> all stuff that you buy over the counter and it's interesting when you look in your cabinet when, you know, I'd been obviously reading about your brand and like all these amazing reviews and things that you've said about the products and I was like, wow, this is really weird. I don't have anything natural in there. That's And it's a weird thing because you have so many natural things in your fridge now. You have so many natural things in your skincare. Totally but not yet in that category, like for me personally. Yeah, no, it's a really interesting thing. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on this subject matter, obviously, but 
the first thing is, you know, when you're sick, your body's in a vulnerable state. The last thing you want to do is be introducing chemicals, refined sugars, flavors, preservatives, food dyes. And so medicine was not really made to heal in a lot of cases. You know, there's some wonderful advents of modern medicine, of course. But in a lot of cases, the medicine that we buy at the drugstore, it's meant to kind of mask the symptoms and get us on through our day. But it doesn't it's not really helping us in the way that it should. And then just kind of to your point about what's in your fridge or, you know, your makeup cabinet or something like that. We've seen this better for you mission permeate like every sector. There's clean food, clean beauty, sustainable fashion. And the one area that's truly lagged is medicine. And I think it's because with medicine, you know, at least I'm like this with beauty products. I'm like, okay, sure. I'll try it. I don't know if it's working, but like, give me more. But with medicine, it has to work. Like if you have a sore throat and you use the Beekeepers Naturals Propolis spray and it does not help your sore throat, you are never using one of our products again. And nor should you. So you're held to a very different standard when it comes to medicine. And there is a lot of kind of upfront investing we have to do on the efficacy side, on the science side. And that's all stuff we're committed to doing. But it means that before we bring a product to market, we're spending a hell of a lot of money compared to kind of our cosmetic or food counterparts. So that's why I think there hasn't been a lot of innovation in this area. And for me, this is like my obsession because of my own health issues. And so for me, there was like no other road I was going to go down. But certainly it's it hasn't really kept pace with what the customer of today wants and deserves and demands for themselves. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I'd love to go back into, you know, your past when your health issues were starting and, you know, get to learn a little bit about your story before you had the light bulb moment to start this business and what the problems were that you were facing and how that led into starting the business. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, I had all kinds of health issues growing up. So I had chronic tonsillitis. I don't Have you ever had tonsillitis? I haven't. Have you had strep throat? Anything no. like that? Okay, no, well, I haven't. I'm very happy to hear that. Um, but for any listeners, tonsillitis, strep throat, these sort of things are quite common and they're very painful. And typically when you have something like tonsillitis or strep throat, you take a course of antibiotics and you'll recover in like a week or so. And if you have a chronic condition, you get your tonsils out. So that would have been the normal path for me. But I have an autoimmune condition where I cannot take antibiotics. So I cannot take antibiotics at all. And what that meant was that when I got tonsillitis or strep throat or anything viral, there was nothing I could really do. My body wouldn't recover quickly. I I had a really weak immune system. And so I would be sick for, I don't know, three weeks at a time. And so think about this started when I was like a little kid. So my whole experience growing up was, you know, missing huge amounts of school and sitting on the sidelines and and being sick and in like pretty severe pain with no medicine that could help me. And when it came to taking my tonsils out because of my allergies to antibiotics, it wasn't, you know, the safest path to go down. So I have my tonsils. I still have them today. Um, But I was, I grew up constantly ill and because of my allergies, a lot of one antibiotics are just not in the conversation for me, but a lot of what's sold at the drugstore, I would actually have an adverse reaction to. So everything from like the Neocitrin and NyQuil and, you know, these, these traditional things that we take, they would make me sicker. And so, you know, I, I 
grew up seeing like every specialist flying around the country, like just trying to solve my problems. I saw every doctor, every naturopath, every like constantly just searching. And then from a pretty early age, we figured out that, you know, not much was happening and we had spent a lot of money and time um, that we couldn't really keep up with trying to solve these problems. And so I started really exploring the world of natural wellness. And I was really excited and I did a ton of research. I'm a person who has to do a ton of research based on where my health was at. My health has changed a lot now. So we'll, we'll get to that. But um, anyways, I, I started doing a lot of research on the world of natural wellness and I was really excited. There was all of these cool, natural, plant-based alternatives that promised these unbelievable results. And there wasn't you know, necessarily the most science that I was finding, but there was a ton of anecdotal evidence. And a lot of these things have been used for years and years. And so I got a job, started saving up money and, you know, these wellness alternatives tend to be quite expensive. So I started buying these things and using them. And I very quickly became very disillusioned with the world of natural wellness because I would end up spending time researching and buying these fancy celebrity endorsed bougie products. And they would, you know, in many cases do nothing and sometimes I would have a negative reaction. And so I was just really frustrated. I was like, where do I fit in the system? And it's, you know, a lot of people struggle with this. I, you know, I, I had a chronic tonsillitis. It certainly wasn't debilitating and it wasn't life-threatening. You know, I'm, I'm very fortunate for that, but it certainly altered my life. It, it caused a lot of stress, pain, missing out. It was, it really affected my well-being. Uh, and there's, you know, a huge population that struggles with autoimmune and these things are just, you know, not as accessible to this community. Um, anyways, so that was my experience and that continued up until college. I was constantly searching for the latest and greatest only to be disappointed. And I kept, you know, when I could seeing different doctors getting different opinions and everyone was kind of like, you're out a lot, kid. And um, in college, I did a semester abroad. I went to Europe. I was studying in Sweden and I was traveling around and um, I busted my butt waitressing to get out there. It was like my first big trip. I was so excited. And when I went to, I, I was doing like two weeks in Italy to meet up with another friend. And when I got to Italy, pretty soon after that, I got really severe tonsillitis to the point where I was having a very hard time breathing. My tonsils were so swollen. It was hard to get air in. Oh, and um, I was going to have to come home. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not missing out again. Like I worked so hard to get out here. And every time I get this like opportunity in life, it gets shut down because I'm sick and I'm so tired of that. And so I was like, I'm just going to figure this out. Like there has to be a solution. And I went to a pharmacy in Florence. It was, it wasn't like a natural fancy store. It was just a traditional pharmacy. I just looked up online where I could really talk to a pharmacist and I went in, spoke to this pharmacist. I riddled off my list of allergies, my symptoms, all the things. And she was just like, oh, you need propolis. And I was like, okay, what's that? And she's like, you know, propolis from the bees. And I was like, okay, so honey? And she's like, no, 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 not honey. Totally different. It's propolis. So I had never heard of this stuff before. Like many of us, I thought that the only thing the bees did was make honey um guilty (laughs) yeah yeah I mean I completely thought that and uh, I thought it was like okay this must be like a language barrier I don't know but 
she's adamant that I try this. She feels really confident. She was like really relaxed given all of my symptoms and like the state I was in and I was visibly sick. I was like, okay, I'm just going to try this. And I was also 21. And so I was like, YOLO, I'll try it. And so I bought this propolis from her and I started using it, following her instructions. And in about five days, I made a full recovery. And that had never happened to me before. I had tried like years, 20 years, like game changer. Yeah. Not exactly 20 years because I started getting sick around like nine years old-ish, I think. Um, Anyways, but long, long time of searching and for the first time I had this experience of recovery and I didn't know that that was possible for me. And I started doing a ton of research on propolis and the more medicinal compounds that come from the beehive. And I learned that propolis is certainly not new. We've been the first recorded human use dates back to 300 BC. And, you know, propolis has been written up for having um, some incredibly beneficial properties. It's antiviral, it's antifungal, it's antimicrobial, anti-inflammatory, it's full of antioxidants. So these are all things that are amazing for combating germs and reducing inflammation and swelling, which is what you need when you're sick. It's really interesting. Actually, in the 17th century, propolis was listed in the London Pharmacopedia as an official drug. So a lot of people talk about propolis as like the OG antibiotic. Like it's really what people were using long before we turn to, you know, a lot of the sort of medicines we use today. So it's really interesting. We have this really longstanding healing history. If you look at propolis as a compound, there's over 300 beneficial compounds inside propolis. It has a really wonderful effect on the body and it's wonderful for autoimmune and sensitive people generally because it's really sensitive on your system and it's something that your body can really kind of integrate. So I had found I have my propolis right here. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I had found my thing. I was feeling better. And as I was traveling around Europe, I started to notice things like propolis, royal jelly, bee pollen were more commonplace. I remember finding brain supplements in France made with royal jelly. And I saw these like anti-aging compounds as well that had royal jelly in them when I was in France. And then in Copenhagen, I bought this like energy supplement that had bee pollen. So I started finding these bee products everywhere. And it's not like they're so widely accessible, but I was looking for them. And I just started noticing that there was a greater awareness. And so I started incorporating them into my routine and I felt a huge difference. Uh, You know, I was somebody who was getting sick monthly and I really wasn't getting sick. And when I did have something coming on, I was able to kind of stop it before it got bad. So my health radically changed during that semester abroad. And I certainly wasn't thinking about starting a company. I was just like, oh my God, I found my thing. I love bee products. They work for my body. This is great. And so I finished up my time abroad, came back home to finish up college in Canada where I'm from and um, exams rolled around and I had one too many all-nighters cramming and I got sick and I wasn't so worried this time because, you know, I was like, I just need propolis. Being sick is no longer a monthly affair. So I thought I just needed to get my hands on some propolis. And I went to like every health food store and there was shelves and shelves of organic honey and manuka honey, but nobody really knew what I was talking about when I asked for propolis. Like people thought I was insane asking for this. I finally found some propolis at this farmer's market in British Columbia And it was $40 for like the tiniest tincture and it was organic and artisanal and all the things. 
And I went back and used it and I had a really severe allergic reaction. And so I was like, what the hell? How is this happening? I just came off, you know, seven months in Europe where I used propolis literally daily. Why am, why is this happening? And at that time I was a TA for my chemistry class. And so I actually ran a toxicity panel on the product I'd purchased. And I found out that there was pesticide exposure. And so that led me down a different path where I was like, it's organic. How is there pesticides in this? Like, isn't that the whole point of organic? And what I learned was with bee products and, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of inefficiencies in the organic world, but specifically with bee products, organic is not a great benchmark because the bees fly. You can't put a leash on them. So just because their hive sits on organic land, if the neighbors are doing something dirty, which they, you know, pesticides are widely used and in many cases they are, the bees will get exposure. Oh gosh. I know it's brutal. So for somebody who's autoimmune and really sensitive to pesticides, organic doesn't paint the full picture. And even if you're not, if you're paying the extra money for something organic, like it should be pesticide free. You're trying to get your body, you know, clean and away from these toxic ingredients. But anyways, that experience, it was illuminating and it made me realize, you know, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. So I know the bee products work. I'm not allergic to bee products all of a sudden. I am still allergic to pesticides. So I I need to start beekeeping and run quality control. And I was like, how the hell do I do that? So I literally went on Google, was started reading blogs about beginner beekeeping, um, YouTube videos. I literally bought the book Beekeeping for Dummies. I actually met the guy who wrote it a few years ago and I was like, I like almost started (laughs) crying. It was really embarrassing. It was, I just, it was extra. It was not, it was not cool. Um, but anyways. Oh my God, I love that. <laughs> like your fangirl moment is the guy yeah, who wrote beekeeping. It's, it's so funny. And he's like not used to being approached by that. So he was like, are you having a panic attack? And I was like, no, you're just really cool. Um, it was really embarrassing. Oh, that's anyways. so joke. <laughs> I have a picture with him and I'm like standing so awkwardly and so stressed out in the photo. I actually didn't even post it. It's like I look insane. Um, even though he's so freaking cool and it made a big difference to my life clearly. Uh, so anyways, I started learning all about beekeeping and then I was like, okay, where do I get bees? How do I do this? I'm a pro college student. And so I Googled um, beekeeping meetups and I, I found um, the local my local chapter for the beekeeping association. And if anyone's interested, most parts of the world have a local chapter for a beekeeping association that meets monthly. Um, Even right now, most places are doing it virtually. So I started attending these meetings and I was not, you know, the typical, I was not a member of like the typical demographic that attends these meetings. And um, I ended up meeting this guy named John. He is a third generation beekeeper who moved to Canada from Romania. He's a retired biochemist and he basically moved to Canada to like live in the woods and keep bees and be a recluse. And lo and behold, this (laughs) annoying cheerleader shows up just like begging him to teach her about bees. And so basically um, I convinced him to let me be his apprentice. I started working for him for free. He was in the middle of Victoria, BC in the forest. So like as pesticide free as you can get in the middle of the forest on an island in Canada. Um, I went to college in Victoria, British Columbia. So I was fortunate to go to college in that beautiful place. Um, But anyways, I started working with him. Um, I started as his apprentice and it was just this incredible learning experience because I'm learning from somebody who's 
generationally been exposed to bees and then also has a science background. And then at the same time, I was taking science courses. Um, I was still a TA for my chem class. So I would go to the hives and work with the bees and create all these products and learn about them and then bring them back to the lab where I kind of like had a free run and, you know, perfect my extraction type. And I, I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, I was creating this product line and just perfecting it for myself. And, you know, it was, it was actually a really beautiful accidental way to start a company because I think a lot of time, I mean, when people start companies, they're thinking about the longer term, they're thinking about profitability and how you scale this. And inevitably you cut some people, not, you don't necessarily have to, I really believe you don't have to do this, but you've, you've, we've all seen a lot of people cut corners on the pursuit of profit. And so I never thought I could start a company. Um, I was just making what works for me and doing it as best I could. And so I had this, this beautiful experience where I was just able to really learn about something and really perfect something and become an expert in something with no pressure. And that's what happened. I completely fell in love with the bees. I am obsessed with like playing mad scientist and creating products. And I really changed my health. And at the start, you know, I, I never thought it could be a company. I never thought I, I studied sciences. I never took a business course in my life. I never thought I could start a company. Um, but I started sharing these products with my roommates. And next thing you know, people on campus were Facebook messaging me. They're like, these products work. Can I buy some from you? And I was like, okay, I don't even know like, what to charge you. <laughs> but what was happening there was I realized that these one, these products work for a meaningful population beyond myself. And two, there's a real appetite for something natural that's effective in the medicine space. And there's, you know, clearly a lack of options. Even if you're not autoimmune, even if you don't have these allergies, there's an understanding that when you're sick, you want to put something clean in your body, but you also need something that works and is going to address the symptoms. And you want something that also helps you recover more quickly. So I was, you know, hitting all of these things. And sorry, this is a long story. <laughs> I love a long story. Please continue. <laughs> okay, good. So I was making these products and I was just madly in love with, I, with what I was doing. I completely fell in love with the bees. I start, I've always been pretty interested in environmental affairs and just like a nature lover. And I started to really learn about the importance of pollinators and how bees really sustain life on this planet and how intricate these creatures are and how it's a matriarchal society. Like there was all of these things about bees that were just like, oh, this is the coolest. So I fell completely in love with bees. I was already in love with building products and uh, I like solving problems. And so I had this dream of starting a bee product company, but I was graduating with negative funds and starting a bee product company when I went to basically any adult was like, that sounds really weird. You should probably just get a job. And um, I imagine people are also like, it's a bit hippy dippy, like, oh, totally. you know, what do you mean? Yeah, totally. Oh, yes. People thought I was like a crazy hippie. <laughs> and so I went in the complete opposite direction of a hippie. I had a job. I was very fortunate to have a job offer out of school at a hedge fund. And the specific job that I was offered was to be focused on pharmaceutical research. So I was doing pharmaceutical research for these hedge fund people to then place monetary bets on. So it was great. It was research, which is my thing. It was science driven, but it was also like a hedge fund, which was a little fancy and gave me 
uh, some good income out of school. And so I joined this hedge fund. I was there for about 10 months. And then 10 months into that, I got recruited by Goldman Sachs, which is a big investment bank, to join their team. And I became a trader at Goldman Sachs. And I was there for just over two years. It was a wonderful learning experience. It was the most I've ever could hate a job. (laughs) Um, And I've had some pretty like intense jobs through high school and college and like Goldman was rough. Um, But it was rough because it was so out of line with my values and what I care about and what I want. It was, you know, in many ways, a really wonderful experience. And I feel very lucky to have worked there. But basically, I've never cared about finance. And there I am at, you know, a very large finance firm working crazy hours with a huge amount of responsibility, doing something that is really meaningless and inauthentic to me. I, you know, stuck out like a sore thumb. I didn't really connect with my coworkers and I felt incredibly isolated. And again, the hours were quite intense. I mean, I work longer hours now, but I work on something that I love and am passionate about when you're working wild hours at a place where you don't feel like you're really being treated kindly and you're working on something that you don't care for. It's tough. It's really tough. And you also, you don't see that like the outcome. You don't see the goal no. that you're like trying to reach because you're just no. you know, in the process. What am I doing this for so that my parents can like tell their friends that I have a good job and I'm independent or like I can have a slightly bigger shoebox of an apartment in New York? I don't know. I was pulling a lot of all-nighters. I started to... I'm an anxious person by nature. I started to really struggle with anxiety. I was having panic attacks. I remember I went to the doctor at Goldman and I was like, I think I'm having a heart attack. He's like, no, 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 this is just a panic attack. Um, So I started having pretty bad panic attacks, pretty severe. And I got to a point where I was just like, fuck, I'm really unhappy, really, really unhappy. And I know I have a good income and I'm on a good trajectory, but I don't think I can do this. And um, so I sat down and I made a spreadsheet about happiness because <laughs> that's what I was good at at that time, spreadsheets. And I was trying to identify the points in time where I felt the happiest. And the things that I kept coming back to were working with the bees, which is a little hard to do when you're splitting time between New York and Toronto <laughs> during that time, um, and building products. Also a little bit hard to do, but I was like, I can kind of do this. It can be my hobby. And so I started sourcing products. I would just buy products from my mentor out in British Columbia. He would just send me bulk raw bee products. I actually have some raw propolis I can show you in a second. Oh, please do. On the other side of my counter. Maybe I'll grab it right now. (laughs) Yeah, grab it, please. Okay. So a lot of, this is just like a good visual because people think propolis is honey and it's a totally different thing. But I started ordering raw product. This is raw propolis. So John would literally just like send me raw product and I bought all of this lab equipment and I turned my like teeny tiny studio apartment (laughs) apartment. in New York into like a lot, like my friends would come over and they would be like, Carly, what's happening? Like, this is like breaking bad. Do you need to tell us something? And I was always like trying to make sure that we don't go back to my place. (laughs) So (laughs) So weird. Um, but I started making, so I started, you know, ordering raw product from my mentor and making it into 
accessible, viable products. And uh, I would go on weekends and sell them at farmer's markets and pop-up shops. And it was like my secret moonlight after work job. Your secret side hustle. Yeah, it really was. I was always so paranoid that if I was like at a farmer's market that someone I work with would show up or like their wife or something. <laughs> I was always like <laughs> on edge of it. But it was it was where I started to derive. Big sunnies. Yeah, honestly. But I started to really drive a lot of joy from being able to share these products I was making and the interactions I was having with customers. And it was, again, a beautiful experience because I didn't think that I could start a company. I really thought this was going to be like, I have my job that I hate. And then on weekends, I got to like do this as a fun hobby. And I was thinking like, you know, my mom loves to bake and my mom's a teacher and baking is not her job, but she bakes a lot. And I was like, okay, why can't my hobby be making bee products into medicine and selling them at farmer's <laughs> markets. Rolls off the tongue. Um, and so that's how I was thinking about it. And then what happened was people started, I started to just build up this customer base. People started to, I, I made an email list. People started to follow me around to different farmer's markets and they would share these incredible stories, incredible healing stories of their own. Some of them similar to mine, some of them very different Um, You know, I remember one gentleman shared a really impactful story about his experience with Lyme disease and how propolis somehow helped to really stabilize his immune system. And, you know, he was very passionate about it. And then I had this other customer. uh, She had a six-year-old with all kinds of autoimmune and he had, he would get canker sores in his throat and it was very, very painful for him. And she, she would like email me and send me videos of him like spraying it and like in the morning before school, opening his mouth to spray it and the canker sores went away. And so oh my people God. were sharing yeah. all kinds of healing stories with me. And I was like, well, it makes sense as a substance because it's anti-inflammatory. So any inflammatory condition like a canker sore, it's going to have a soothing effect and it's antiviral. So germs, bacteria, any sort of viral propolis will be supportive it's immune support. Like that's what propolis is. It's an immune supporter in the hive. It actually functions as the immune system for the entire hive. So it makes a lot of sense that if there's anything immune related, propolis will be supportive. Anyway, so people started sharing these stories and then, you know, people started asking me to send product to like their sister-in-law in Chicago and all over. And next thing you knew, I, I was spending my entire salary, like shipping to different places and all of this. And um, it got to a point where I was like, I think that I have a real customer base. People like this. I know the science is there and this is what I want to do. And if it's this needs to exist in the world, it helps people. And if it's not me, someone else is going to do it. And I think it should be me. So I left Goldman end of 2016. Everyone thought I was having a full blown mental breakdown. Like literally everyone in my life was like very concerned about me. Everyone was like, this is not what you should do. What are you doing? Oh, oh yeah. And like, not only that, people were like aggressively concerned. Like people would be like, this is the worst decision of your life. You have this incredible job. People would kill to work at this firm. You're going to end up living in your parents. My, my, one of my bosses at Coleman actually, he told me that he did this. Like, I remember he, when I told him, he brought me into a boardroom and he started, he has no idea what 
our margin structure looks like or how my company's evolved. But he starts putting like arbitrary numbers of like, here's where you'll end up with your little B product company. And here's where you would end up if you made partner at Goldman Sachs. And like, it basically showed a very bad situation on one end and a fantastic one on the other. And that was like upset. I remember like kind of trying not to cry in that moment, but also being like, yeah, I'm going to fucking do this. <laughs> yeah. You're like, this, if anything <laughs> really gives me the fuel and like further conviction that I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So anyways, I, I people thought I was like having a full mental breakdown. And I really wanted to get away from all of that. And I had this dream of like going back to Europe and putting my head down in a cafe and just like writing my business plan. And I didn't know how to write a business plan, by the way. I Googled how to write a business plan. Like for everyone listening, I didn't know. I knew a lot about finance, which was not at all useful in the first few years (laughs) of my business. And now is like a little bit useful because I can have good conversations with our CFO, but like I would not say that was a huge leg up. Um, I knew nothing about business and how to start a business. I knew a hell of a lot about B products and the science behind them and 
I, I, you know, my biggest asset I think was that I knew a lot about how to research effectively. I knew what constitutes good science, what kind of trials to look at, what's kind of science that's been manipulated for a certain result versus what to understand. But on the business side, I had no idea. And you don't need to have an idea. You just need to be aggressive in your pursuit of information and understanding. Um, so anyways, I had this dream of like going to Europe and where no one knows me and just writing my business plan and setting it up and then coming back and really starting the company in America where there's, you know, a lot of interest in health and wellness and big market. And I couldn't afford to go to Europe because I had put all of my savings into the company and had just enough to survive for that year on a very budgeted lifestyle. <laughs> so anyways, I couldn't afford to go to Europe, but I could afford to go to Southeast Asia because the I had enough for a flight. And then the cost of living there was actually significantly better than, you know, my rent in New York, which I couldn't afford. Of course. <laughs> so I moved out of my apartment in New York. Um, went to Southeast Asia. I spent three months there. This is, this is, I think, end of 2016, start of 2017. I spent three months there just literally by myself um, because really everyone in my life thought I was insane. And I, I, I like kind of broke down everything. Like I exited my good on paper relationship with a lovely person that just, you know, wasn't my person. And I exited this great on paper job and um, in pursuit of this concept that makes no sense to anyone. And so anyways, I, I Google how to write a business plan. I started writing one out. I started to understand how fundraising would look and put together kind of a action plan for that. And I came back to the U.S. start of 2017 um, had completely run out of money at that point. I was living on my best friend Adam's couch and I stayed there for over six months. So God bless Adam. Shout out to Adam. Yeah. <laughs> Deserves a mention. <laughs> I mentioned him on everything I ever do pretty much. He's my best, best friend. He's like my brother. But anyways, I, I had fully run out of money at that point, but I had done a lot of research on fundraising and just reading the same way I learned about bees, reading these like for dummies books and listening to podcasts and under just learning what venture capital was. That's a word I didn't know. Even working in finance, I wasn't really aware of that, that space. It's quite different than public markets. And I, I started to put together a small seed round and I basically dialed up all the rich people I know. A lot of them were people I met in the finance world who I worked for. And I was like, here's my idea. Would you be interested in investing? And pretty consistently, they were like, I don't understand your idea at all, but I know that you're a workaholic. I've seen you, I've seen the way, you know, your work ethic is. And I trust that like, you'll figure it out. Like you're not going to, you'll, you'll find something. And so um, I was able to put together a small seed round, not a huge amount, but just enough. And I went to my other best friend, Daniel Miller, who's now our, our COO. Uh, he was a corporate lawyer at the time. And I was like, how do I set up a company? I don't know how to do any of this. And so he started helping me out. And then something that was really important to me early on was, so this is just an interesting thing. In the U.S., there's the FDA. And then when it comes to natural, it's the Wild West. There's no regulatory structure policing it. Um, there's a little bit more structure in Europe. And in Canada, where I'm from, there is a body, Health Canada, 
they do regulate natural products. And what you can do is apply to get an NPN number, which is a natural product number. So we have NPN numbers on all of our products. And basically what they do is we've, what it means that we've legally validated the health claims we make. So sometimes you see products in the US that are like, cures everything and will make you glow. And there's no scientific or legal validation. And so for us, when we say throat spray, when we say on our Felix or brain shots, when we say cognitive memory, say those words, we've legally validated those health claims. Mm. And a lot of people don't know about this. I knew about this because I had to with all of my health issues. I, I was I had to look out for, you know, things with NPNs because I wasn't able to take things that don't because I didn't know what I would get. And so I went to Daniel and I was like, okay, you've helped me set up the company. You're amazing. Do you know anything about how to get NPNs? And he's like, I'm an M&A lawyer. No. And then I was like, (laughs) you're the smartest person I know. So like, I feel like you can figure it out. Like if I can figure this other stuff out, like you can figure this out. So we started the process together of trying to get NPNs and Daniel this whole time was just like helping out a friend. And I think he kind of felt that for me. And, um, he was also working crazy hours at a law firm and he would get sick all the time and go to the local drugstore and just spend like 50 bucks on cough syrup and stuff to mask the symptoms only to get sick again. And he thought I was like a crazy hippie chick, just doing something weird, but you know, helping out a friend. And so as we're going through this process where he's having to legally validate the science of these products to the Canadian government, he's like, huh, Carly, this stuff, like, this is real, this works. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And then he had one night where he had a really bad sore throat and he used the propolis and it literally, like, he was fine the next morning. And he came back to me and he's like, I want to get involved. You need a business partner. And I was like, mm, I don't need a business partner. And we're a sustainably driven company, so I don't care about your JD, MBA. You don't have beekeeping experience. So I love you. And you're the best friend ever, but like, this seems like a poor fit if you, you know, you can't bring that perspective into this. Um, Cause it is really important to me. And, you know, now we have amazing conversations with all our team members, but people need to really understand the intricacies of the bees and, ha- and the impact we have environmentally. Um, so anyways, I turned him away. He went out and did a master's apprenticeship in beekeeping and came back to me several months later, a certified beekeeper. And I was like, okay, overachiever, you're in. That is awesome. Oh my God. He's the best. Um, And Daniel, so he left the world of corporate law January, 2018, and he's now full-time our COO and it's awesome. I'm very lucky to get to run my company with my best friend. And that kind of brings us today. So now We have quite a few products. We're all about reinventing the medicine cabinet. I have the most amazing team. We're sold nationally. We're sold um, at all Whole Foods locations across the U.S. and Canada. And where our propolis spray is consistently in the top five of top selling immune products on Amazon. And we have, yeah, it's great. We have a growing team. Holy moly. That is just the coolest story. And like, I feel like I had to do the least amount of work I've ever had to do. <laughs> you just like breeze through the story without me having to ask you any questions, which I am, am just so grateful that I got to sit here and listen to that amazing story. <laughs> wow. Um, I'm wondering when you look back at your like marketing over the last two years, say since Daniel joined, what do you think has been the reason for the success and, you know, crazy customer growth and um, customer acquisition? 
Yeah. So I think for one, we're obsessive about product. Our products work at the end of the day, and we will not bring something to market that doesn't not only work, but is accessible to the most sensitive systems. I'm a great guinea pig for all of our products. I won't bring something to market that I don't use. So we're really obsessive about product quality and efficacy. And I think that's, you know, you can only get so far with a company built on promise. It's really important to be obsessed with your product and be obsessed with the landscape and understanding your customer base and what they need and solving problems for them. So that's number one. If our products didn't work, we would not have grown like this. And then on the marketing front, it's really challenging because we have such a nuanced product line. We're dealing with ingredients that the average person hasn't heard of. There's generally a lack of trust in the wellness space. And specifically when it comes to medicine, when people are sick, they just want to get fucking better. Like the last thing they want to do is try something that like maybe will work. So it's really important that we, again, make products that truly work, but also have strategic, decisive messaging that people understand, trying to kind of bring this down to, you know, everyone's level because the average person, again, doesn't know what propolis is. So how can we, how can we make this just understandable in a quick snap second? And so really speaking, and we, we've figured that out through a lot of customer testing, a lot of trial and error. We've done like the long-winded campaigns where I try and teach every single person about every single B product and people tend to get bored and check out. We've done the thing where we speak to the specific symptom. And ultimately what I've learned is that you need to speak, you need to meet your customer where they are. So speaking to their needs. You know, I have, I so, I mean, as you can probably tell by this podcast, I tend to like go down a rabbit hole verbally and when I'm researching and when I'm doing anything. And so I, I want to like share all the amazing products and people sometimes joke that I'm like the Windex dad from Big Fat Creek Weddings. I'm like, propolis on everything. Um, but really, and even if something is the best miracle product ever and it is a cure-all, it's really important to be specific and meet your customer where they are and speak to the problem that they're going through. So, you know, when I, when I talk to other entrepreneurs, I really emphasize, especially with, I mean, with anything, I really emphasize the importance of getting to know who your customer is, where they live, how old they are, what other things do they consume? What are they dealing with? Like, what is the problem that is still plaguing them? I think it's wonderful when you are your customer. I, I think that's a really wonderful thing. And, you know, it's not always the case. And I think companies can evolve in a beautiful way without that because we're all, you know, capable of empathy and understanding. But it it really, you know, if you're not your customer, get to know your customer, spend time with them. I, it was unintentional, but the work that I did in the early days at farmer's markets, standing in a booth all weekend, every weekend, and just talking to people who are using my product coming back the next weekend saying like, I liked this, but not this so much. And I would say, why? Um, And I really got to know that. And, you know, you don't have to do that. You can replicate that with customer surveying. When you put out a product, get a good focus group going and survey them digitally and get to know what they like and what they don't like and be ready to move. Because, you know, also don't don't fall too in love with like your master formula because it's not just about you. It's about meeting your customer where they are. So, you know, be open, be open-minded, be flexible and continue growing alongside your customer base. Absolutely. I think that's such an important one that sometimes, even though it's the most obvious thing, 
sometimes people can actually forget that. And of course, and, and as you're seeing with your brand, word of mouth is so important and it has to be inherently built into what you do so that, you know, one person tells five of their other people and you didn't have to pay to acquire those customers at all. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's kind of what social media is. That's what influencers are. It's people who, you know, have amassed a following and their word of mouth carries. And so, you know, you also need to be really clear on your messaging. This is something that I've messed up with all of, you know, sharing too many products or too many benefits. Like you need to really make it digestible for people and allow them to have their own experience and then trust that if it works for them and you can trust that when you've worked your ass off making a great product, that it will carry. Um, but we, we live in a world where information is easily disseminated. So that's a wonderful blessing for an entrepreneur. Absolutely. What advice do you have for women who have a big idea and want to launch their own business? Okay. So for me, my biggest challenge was and continues to be myself. I have, you know, I really have to rub up against the narratives that I carry and challenge them and question them. And, you know, I see this with all genders of young entrepreneurs that I speak to, but for whatever reason, maybe it's just my network, but I've seen it a little bit more with women where we, we need something to be perfect before we bring it to market. Or, you know, we need to go to our MBA before we do this, or we need some sort of like external validation before we make these moves. Cause we're not, you know, we're not so sure of ourselves or we just don't know how. And that's all bullshit. Like nobody knows how I still, I have, you know, a pretty big team and like, I still don't know how. And I tell them that all the time. And the only thing that I know how to do and the only thing that kind of matters as an entrepreneur is resilience and being able to figure out the things you don't know how, because especially as a CEO, your job changes at least every six months with every phase the company takes on your whole job changes. And so the only thing that you consistently need to do is be good at being bad at something and dedicated to that thing until you get better at it. So my advice is all of these kind of limiting beliefs start to question them, start to just, just look at like, what's the opposite of that? What if that's not true? Just start asking yourself, make a habit of it. This is what I had to do. I had to make a habit when I had these really limiting beliefs of saying, okay, what if the opposite happens? What if that's actually not true at all? What would that look like? And I journal about it and I have a major journaling practice. And that's really important for me because I'm full of self-doubt that I have to fight against constantly. And so, yeah, for, for female entrepreneurs, I would say, and I hope that this actually doesn't resonate with a lot of people because I hope that people are not riddled with self-doubt and are full of confidence, but what kind of barriers are you placing on yourself and what sort of external benchmarks are you telling yourself that you need to achieve prior to starting when the truth is you have this idea. If you care about this and are passionate about it, then there's no one better to do it than you. And what if you just did it and then figured it out as you went, like all of the other great entrepreneurs do. Totally. That's so strange that you say that. You just sparked something that I remembered from a few years ago. I'd been doing like a self-development course and one of the exercises that they gave us at the time was um, just when you automatically go to say yes or no to something, just to automatically be like, what if, it, what if I said yes or what if I said no? And just no matter what it was, if it's like, oh, you get invited to a wedding and you automatically say yes, but then 
what does it look like if you say no and prioritize, you know, yourself instead in that moment to not travel overseas to do something or, you know, whatever it is. And those little, you know, self kind of exercises that you can do to question things that are happening like in your mind is just so critical. And I'm so glad you just reminded me of that. I'm going to start, um, I'm going to start doing that too. I think a lot of people do suffer with the, with the inner critic, um, certainly myself included. So that's really cool. Thanks for sharing. Um, okay. I'm conscious of time, but we have the six quick questions part of the episode. Are you still good for another five or six minutes? Yes, I am. Perfect. Okay. Question number one is what's your why? My why, when I started, it was my customer base. Now it's my customer base and my team. Amazing. Question number two is, what do you think has been the number one marketing moment that's made your business pop? I don't, I wish that I could point to one silver bullet. We've had a ton of celebrity endorsements, but I don't think it was one thing. I think it was slowly us grinding away, creating our Instagram following and interacting with our customers. And we like, our customer love team, which is our customer service team, we're very dedicated. We're always talking about surprise and delight. So we've created a lot of micro moments by c- focusing on connection. Sorry, I know these are quick ones. I want to. They can be a bit longer if you've got time. I'd love to hear what you mean. Like, what's an example of those micro moments? So we always, as a company, are talking about surprise and delight. How can we surprise and delight customers? How can we connect with them more fully? How can we do a better job of understanding what they need from us? not just on a product level, but in their in interactions or as a platform. So we spend a lot of time surveying, directly interacting with them over Instagram and email, and then, you know, trying to reward people who support us by just like sending them, you know, an extra thing with their order sometimes or little things like that. And it's really interesting because we've had, we're very fortunate. We've had, you know, the Kardashians endorse us publicly Um, And that was amazing. Yeah, we've had a lot of like really amazing things. But I think sometimes people or entrepreneurs say, and these things are amazing. We're very lucky. But it's not like a celebrity endorses you and then you're a success. At least my experience has not been that like the company radically changed overnight. It's, you know, a lot of different people speaking about their experience with the products. And so, again, just focusing on building connection And you also build connection by solving people's problems. So it comes back to focusing on product that works. But really just focusing on, especially in today's isolated world, and I I was saying we were isolated before COVID and lockdown because everything's digital, but creating opportunity to really hear what people are struggling with and, again, meet them there and speak to that directly and create a safe space for it. So sometimes it's like a physical surprise and delight extra like like a sticker pack with our products sometimes it's just an email thanking dedicated customers sometimes it's a post about mental health uh, where we really encourage conversation sometimes it's conversations like these that we share with our customer base where they can really get to know you know different pieces of us but it's creating a lot of micro moments in different areas from an email campaign to an instagram post to you name it, where you can connect. Yeah, I really love that. Question number three is where do you hang out to get smarter? And that's around things that you're listening to, podcasts, books that you're reading, places on the internet in these times. (laughs) I'm a big podcaster. Let me just actually tell you the name of this new one that I'm obsessed with. I just got really into it. 
his name is Josh Weinstein. It's called The Portal. The Portal. Okay. Yeah. Or sorry, with Eric Weinstein. So really love that. I really love a podcast. It's actually, I think they're, they're based in London. It's called Not Overthinking. Like okay. I haven't heard of it. Oh my God. I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with it. It's these two brothers and it's like, I like the name too, because it's not overthinking, but also not overthinking. So anyways, I think it's very witty, Um, but specifically for business, uh, ETL entrepreneurial thought leaders, that's a podcast that's out through Stanford. That is like my number one rec for entrepreneurs. When I started my company, oh my gosh, I, I went back and like at the beginning, listened to every episode and you know, there's a lot of like interesting business podcasts where you get to know people, but I found there were so many applicable takeaways from that podcast. So that's one that I love. And then I really like invest like the best. Again, he interviews some really great people and I find that there's kind of tangible takeaways. So those are some of my faves. And then right now I'm rereading Ray Dalio's book, which is a really good one. It's just thinking about like corporate structure, but I read a lot of just kind of like, I think I read like a list I found on Google of business books when I started. And I think it is really important to continue thinking about these things. And then the other thing that I, that I'm really lucky to learn from is I have a lot of entrepreneur friends and I spend a lot of time trading stories with them, learning about what's working for them, sharing what's working for us. Um, I have a really incredible network of female entrepreneurs. I think it's really important to build that network for whatever reason. Well, there's not a lot of female entrepreneurs. We need to see more. But creating that supportive structure and sharing what's working for you and uh, building real connections there like, is so important. I cannot tell you how many times my brilliant girlfriends who run brilliant companies have you know, given me advice that's fundamentally shifted my path. So trying to find people who uh, care about the things you care about and can provide different perspectives is really important. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, That's totally how Female Startup Club came about because I was asking girlfriends in my network how to grow my e-commerce business at the time and yeah, leads you in a funny way, but I totally agree. It's so important to have those connections. Question number four, and this is one I'm super excited to hear your answer to, is how do you win the day? And that's around your AM and PM rituals that keep you feeling happy and successful, but motivated and productive. Mm -hmm. So pretty much every day, I well, first of all, I have to like fight to not check my email in the morning or Slack. So that's like a constant struggle for me. Like this morning, I did a really shit job of it. I was like, I'm going to get up and go journal. And then right away, I'm like, on Slack. And then I'm on Slack for an hour in my bed, which is insane. Anyways, don't do that. I slip in and out of doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough. But I try really hard to just have a practice that kind of centers me before I start my day. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot of time. I certainly don't spend a lot of time doing it. But I do a few things. One, I do kind of a gratitude list. So I just write down three things I'm grateful for. And then have you heard of the Hoffman process? No. It's a little bit, okay, so I went to do, I I went to this place called Hoffman, and it's basically like a week-long sort of retreat, but it's not like massages and yoga. It's like basically therapy. Uh, It's wonderful. It's unbelievable, and it's all about, it's, it's all about looking at your patterns that don't serve you. The patterns we take on early in our life that, you know, they're not necessarily who we are. They're just patterns. They're things that we engage in that are either 
limiting or self-sabotaging or we just want to get rid of. And it's, it's like this deep exploration of that. So love that. And I think they have actually an Instagram page where they do these like guided meditations. They do something called a quad check where you just check in with different parts of yourself. Um, but I use their app because I like to write. And every morning it's like little journal prompts. And so it's the I think it's just called the Hoffman Process app. It's not like the cleanest app. I don't think they've updated it in a while, but they have the option to do the quad check and it's where you check in with different parts of yourself. So it's like my emotional self feels. And then what does my emotional self need today? My intellectual self feels. What does my intellectual self need today? My body feels. What does my body need today? And it's just a really great way before you get sort of swept away with the entire day to check in with what's your emotional state? What are you worried about? And how can you support yourself? So like for me, very frequently, my intellectual state feels anxious. And then, you know, the second prompt, which is like, what do I need today? Is like, okay, I'm feeling anxious as fuck. I probably need to like meditate for 10 minutes at some point today and just be kind to myself because like, there's no way I'm going to get everything done. And I find that starting your day with those little check-ins is really important. Yeah, I love that. End of day. I've been trying recently. It's tough because I live on the East Coast. I have West Coast team members. So I tend to work like East Coast and West Coast hours sometimes. And so what I'm trying to do, and thank God for my assistant, because she's actually the one who's trying to do this and like enforcing it with me, um, is trying to have just like an hour at the end of the day where I just stop. And I just like, don't look at anything. Nothing important is happening. Everyone on the team knows like, Carly's not going to look until tomorrow morning in most cases, even though I cheat a lot. Um, And then I, I try to just read a book or do something that's kind of indulgent. So sometimes that's like order a pizza and watch like Emily in Paris. <laughs> oh my God, I love Emily in Paris. <laughs> I know, I know. I it's like this. such a guilty pleasure. Yeah, um, so good, so good. Or it's, you know, listen to Binge Mode Harry Potter, which is my my guilty pleasure lately. Or just like read a fantasy book. Like I have so many business and personal development books I'm, I'm always reading. And I just recently started reading um, Aragon. It's like this book about dragons. And it's, I think the target demo is like teenage boys, but you know, but trying to do something that's indulgent for me, that's like, just for me, that's pure joy at the end of the day. I love that. Question number five is if you only had a thousand dollars left in your business bank account, how would you spend it? Jeez, that would be scary. Um, I think I would, $1,000, I think I would probably find an entrepreneur who has a really great idea and give it to them because there's not so much you can do with $1,000, but maybe it would be like a base for somebody to go on and create something incredible. I love that. Haven't had that as an answer before. Love that. Very cool. (laughs) And last question, question number six is how do you deal with failure? And it can be around a personal experience or just your general mindset and approach to it. Failure is so important. It comes back to that resilience and I fail at things all the time. Like I more often than not, I fail at little things. Um, and it, I, I now I've, I'm teaching myself and constantly reteaching myself to see failure as an opportunity to build that resilience muscle. We really need to build our resilience muscle. Like that is the most, I mean, I'm sure you experience this. It's the most single, most important thing you can do as an entrepreneur and 
I always come back to this quote. I, I think it was, I don't know who said it, but it was like, if you live so cautiously as to never fail at all, then you fail by default. And I really believe that like failing means you're doing something. And the most important thing is, you know, to be in action and be in pursuit of your mission and purpose. Um, and so failing is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just an opportunity to strengthen and a redirection. Yep, absolutely. Totally. Ah, I've loved this episode so much. Thank you so much for taking the time and sharing all these amazing stories and learnings and lessons that you've had along the way. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This was so much fun. (laughs) Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. (laughs) 